Good evening. Today is February 14th, 2023, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter slash step is Bill's story, step one, and our speaker tonight is, is Nancy Z. Thank you, Nancy. Wow. Thank you, Melissa. Um, hey, everyone. I'm Nancy. Nancy Z, recovered compulsive eater, bulimic, anorexic. Really grateful to be here tonight. Thank you, Victoria, for asking me to speak and for doing the Zoom host tonight. I appreciate it. And thanks everyone for your service. Um, so uh, when Victoria asked me if I would do Bill's story, I um, my first thought was as normal as usual, I'm going to listen to everybody I know who ever talked about Bill, Bill B's, about Bill's story. And I'm going to like make notes and I'm going to write out my, you know, my outline. Um, and, uh, and then of course, God kind of flicked me on the back of the head and said, stop it. Just stop it. Um, just share your thoughts on Bill's story. That's all your thoughts on, on Bill's story. So that's what I'm going to do tonight. Um, I read it Saturday morning. Yeah. I sat down Saturday morning and I read it and I wanted to tell you, um, a little bit about my history with Bill's story. So I have been in the rooms of, um, Alcoholics Anonymous and Overeaters Anonymous since 1981, um, I got sober at 23 and came into OA not too long after that. And quite honestly, I probably can count on one hand how many times I read Bill's story prior to um, coming back into OA in 2017. Um, I I read Bill's story maybe maybe the whole thing once. I thought Bill was just an arrogant. Um, uh, I can't cuss on this, but he was an arrogant a-hole. I really did not like the man. I thought he was a pompous jack, you know what? And, and you know, while I conceded that, yes, he had something to do with this whole thing, and yeah, thank you, Bill, um, I was much more drawn to Dr. Bob, who seemed to be more humble and kind and all of that. And I just didn't give Bill a whole bunch of, a whole lot of credence, Um and that all changed when I came back. So I was in OA for 20 years um, and relapsed most of that time. I'd have periods, um, some one time up to three years, and then I would relapse. Um, and uh, I left OA in 2009 and decided to go find another solution. And as I found, and as I've said many times, there are a lot of solutions out there, a lot of them. And I tried a lot of them in that ensuing eight to 10 years. Um, and they all worked until they didn't work anymore. And um, and then they never worked again. And I'm stealing that line from our dear Melissa C. I tried, um, and, and I really did think each one was gonna be the answer. This was it. And uh, I was trying to figure it out. I was really, what I was trying to do was find a solution that would allow me to continue eating the foods that I wanted to eat, but in moderation. Um, I did not want to admit that I was addicted to sugar. I did not want to admit that I had to let go of it. Um, I did not want to admit that I had to let go of my um, artificial sweeteners and my pho desserts and all of that stuff. Um, and but there was no solution out there that gave me that answer. So I came back in 2017 and I was um, angry and had a chip on my shoulder and um, I didn't want to be here. All of you didn't know what you were talking about. I was unique. I was different. Yada, 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 yada. Um, and that lasted until uh, 2020, December of 2020. I was I was 
broken down and broken down and broken down. And yet I was coming to these rooms and I was hearing people talk solution and I was hearing people having what I wanted and they were peaceful and they had accepted their disease and they were okay living without sugar and all of that stuff. And, and I wanted what they had. So I kept coming back and searching for that. And um, in uh, December of 2020, I had December 21st, 2020, I had what I pray to God was my last uh, binge and purge episode. That was my behavior. I binged, I would binge all day long, throw up all day long. I might go at that for a few days um, and then I would get clean again and I would be absent and that was my life, but it was always binging and throwing up and on tons of sugar. And um, I am surprised that my body survived and 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 endured that for as long as it did. Um, so anyway, uh, I came in and I was pretty broken and my sponsor started me, well, she started me actually on the preface, but we started reading the big book and I read Bill's story and I heard her describe Bill's story to me in such a way that I was, it was transforming for me. It was like, I will never look at Bill's story the same way again. So um, I now have marks all over it, highlights, things written in the sidelines and, you know, in the sidebars. And so I'm going to share some of that with you tonight. Um, so tonight, as I was thinking about this talk, I thought, you know, when I'm when I'm asked to give a talk, I've been told you do th you tell three things. One, what it was like two, what happened and three, what it is like today. And I kind of thought in that in terms of Bill's story, and that's what he does in here. He does. Um, so his pages one through eight are what it was like. And so how I identify and the parts that I identify in Bill's story is I never I never identified this part before until I read it on Saturday. But he talks about on uh, in the first part about, you know, he fancied himself a leader. Uh, he had a talent for leadership. Um, he imagined being at the head of vast enterprises. He got out of the he got out of the service and he went to law school and the drive for success was on. I proved to the world I was important. And as I think back over my work, my career and my work history, that that was me. You know, I came into the workforce and I was like, I was a secretary when I started. That was not good enough for me. You know, it was not enough to be a lowly secretary. I wanted, I was better than that. I wanted to, you know, strive and achieve and be somebody important. And, um, and that was, that was my course for the next several years was just trying to, I didn't really climb the corporate ladder, but I just was always like, I had to be better. I had to be better. And yet I never felt like I achieved that. I never felt good enough. Um, and just like Bill, um, the more I, you know, obviously at that point, my eating disorder wasn't full blown. I mean, it was full blown. And uh, as the years progressed and as I was active in my disease, um, my ability to achieve and perform was lessened and lessened and lessened. Um, you know, I always had good jobs. I always had a job, but my, my, it's hard to, I, I just, I was not present to it because my disease consumed my entire thought, life, everything. The last year that I spent on, um, the, the, I was fired from the job that I was in, in 2015, I was actually, no, I'm sorry. I was fired in 2013 and it took me a long time to say I was fired. Um, and I was, I was let go because I believe primarily because I was spending more time 
at the vending machine getting food, digging food out of my desk and eating it. And I sat in a cubicle situation with other people. I mean, you'd have to be deaf, dumb and blind to not know what I was doing. But I didn't think anybody knew. And it was vending machine, eating everything that was in my desk, into the bathroom, throwing up, back to the vending machine. I'd leave and I'd go get food. I'd bring it back. I'd, I mean, it was just constant and it was hell. It was total hell. And um, when they fired me, um, you know, a friend of mine said that to me, do you think it had anything to do with your eating disorder? And I was like, oh, hell no. You know, it was all their fault. It was all them. You know, I was the perfect employee. Um, but, you know, when I looked back in it, when I did my fourth step, I was belligerent. I was, um, I was, uh, I was, I was a mess. Let's leave it at that. I was a mess. Um, so yeah, very much like Bill, I was striving, um, to perform, but the more my disease took over, the less I was able to perform and the less I was able to do. Um, he talks about, I mean, this guy went through hell and back, right? Um, on page five, I started listing, I started numbering his attempts to stop. He woke up, this had to stop. That's on page five, the third paragraph. And then shortly after that, he came home drunk. Uh, there had been no fight. Where had been my resolve? He resolved, he renewed his resolve. He tried again. Um, now I had what it takes. And then, you know, he relapsed again. Uh, one day he walked into a cafe says um, the mind and body are marvelous mechanisms for mine endured this agony two more years. My body endured the ravages of my disease for, um, God, I was active in bulimia for 40 years. And yes, it was off and on um, and I would minimize it. But seriously, I was actively bulimic for 40 years. I don't know how my body took it. I really don't. Um, there were nights when I would binge and I would throw up and then I would actually um, scream at my face, scream at myself in the mirror and and hit my body. I would just I would hit myself because I was so angry and I was so. And then, you know what, the next morning I'd wake up, I'd get up and I'd resolve. I'm going to do it this time. You know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to lick this. I'm going to. Um, you know, he got self-knowledge on page seven. Uh, it relieved me somewhat to learn that an alcoholic, the will is amazing, amazingly weakened when it comes to um, combating liquor. There were many times that I thought this, I knew it. I knew the answer. Now I understand myself. I'm not going to have to do this anymore, but I still didn't surrender. I did not surrender my food. I had all this self-knowledge. I, I mean, I'd been in the program. I knew the 12 steps, but That's I 10 minutes. Thank you. Thanks, Melissa. But I could not surrender, um, would not surrender, could not surrender. I don't know what it was. Um, but then once again, he drank. So here he is in this um, in this in this horrible shape. Right. And he's 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 come to the decision that he's going to die. He's just going to die from this. And then what happened? Abby showed up at his door. That's what happened. And you know, he had these ideas of, oh, we're going to recapture. Um, this sentence got me. Unmindful of his welfare, I thought only of recapturing the spirit of other days. There was that time we had chartered an airplane to complete a jag. His coming was an oasis in this dreary desert of futility. 
the very thing in Oasis drinkers are like that. And that was me and my disease. I didn't care about anybody else. I didn't care about your welfare. All I cared about was how I could capture that next, um, you know, that next bite, how I could capture that next um, release, the release of, you know, and it talks about in the, in, doc, in the doctor's opinion, we drink, we ate for the effect, for the release that came with it. And that's what I was seeking and searching. Um, my Ebby was actually my, my my current AA sponsor's daughter, who I knew. She was also in, in AA. I knew her and I didn't like her. Um, she was bulimic and I knew she was bulimic and she was a little snot, in my opinion, in my grandiosity and my arrogance. This woman, she she helped me. Well, first of all, she helped me find vision. Second of all, she got me back into this program. My AA sponsor told me to call her and I, and she gave me a deadline and I waited until the deadline, the day. And, uh, and I called her and she had been abstinent from bulimia for three months. And I was like, oh my God, how did you do it? How did you do it? She was my Ebby. Um, and again, she introduced me. I didn't get abstinent at that time, but she was the one that got me back into OA and got me um, started on the path that I was on. Um, so anyway, Abby comes. Now, this these next this this next section is the transformation, the transformation that Bill went through as Abby talked to him, and as he um, talked to him about you know what happened to him. And Bill's going through all of this thinking and reflecting and thinking back on things and um, thinking about his his uh, relationship with a God and where he was at with that. A um, couple things that I have written in this section is um, on page 11. Somebody said this at one point in a meeting I was in. Bill was drunk when Ebby came to him. He was drunk. But the message still got through to him. The message can be carried to others, even, even when they're in the food, even when they're drunk. Um, you know, he had this thing about the world is out to get me. He couldn't trust anyone. That was pretty much me. Um, on page 11, at the, at, you know how it says at the end of how it works. It says um, we're powerless. I mean, I only have read this a zillion times. A, B, and C, the A, B, and C. Um, here it is with Abby on page 11. Um, the A was God had done for him what he could not do for himself. That's God doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. His human will had failed. Doctor, He couldn't help himself. Doctors had pron pronounced him incurable. Doctors couldn't help him. Society was about to lock him up. Society couldn't help him. But what Bill saw was something at work in a human heart, which had done the impossible. So, so Bill was able to see that spiritual change, that spiritual transformation in, in um, Ebby that uh, what, that grabbed him and made him what? He, he said, did, did I want it? Of course I did, for I was hopeless. Um, then I wrote on the next page about the transformation. He was on a different footing. This is what he saw in Ebby. His roots grasped a new soil. So what Bill saw was that transformation, the spiritual transformation that occurs in this program. Then we hit on page 12, the part that makes our group special, the whole concept thing, choose your own conception. And I just want to share my conception with God. I was raised Christian um, and Bible, kind of Bible Beltish Christian, um, uh, Old Testament type. 
And so I came in with a concept of God that um, really needed work, really needed help. But you know what? It got me here and it got me listening. And my relationship and concept of God has been kind of like, you know, I was looking at it in my my mind. It was kind of like, it's all over the place. You know, I was here, I was there. I tried Eastern philosophy. I tried this, I tried that. And, you know, right now, right now, today, I've come back to my pretty much my Christian roots. You know, God works for me. Um, and that, and it's simple. It's a very simple concept of God. Um, That's five and- minutes. Thank you. And a very loving concept of God. Um, I'm open to that changing. I've tried, you know, female God that doesn't really fit. I've tried this that doesn't really fit. So, you know, I'm, I just know in this program that, um, that uh, I'm just open for whatever, whatever comes my way, wherever God wants, wants to lead me. Um, Sort of to wrap it up with this section you know, he he does have a spiritual transformation. Um, on the bottom of page thir- 13, he says, my friend promised when these things were done, I would enter upon a new relationship with my creator, that I would have the elements of a way of living which answered all my problems. Belief in the power of God plus enough willingness, honesty, and humility to establish and maintain the new order of things were the essential requirements. And, you know, that's what I'm seeking. That's what I seek on a daily basis is that relationship with God, um, the uh, a way of living that answers all my problems and my trust in my higher power does that for me. So, you know, I as I think about my step one um, and my experience with it, you know, I had to hurt a lot. I had to hurt a lot to hit bottom. Um, I reached a point where I didn't think I thought I would die from this disease. I thought that one night my husband would come home and find me dead on the bathroom floor. And um, that day in December, when I called that woman and asked her to, to be my sponsor, and that day, my desire and compulsion to binge and throw up was lifted. It was totally lifted. Um, I believe on that day, I became willing to do. She asked me, are you willing to do whatever I ask you to do? And I said, I am. And I was, um, and um, he he says in here, the moment I fully accepted him, these are revolutionary drastic proposals, but the moment I fully accepted them, the effect was electric. Um, what I thought when I read that was, you know, I, I was asked to do a lot of things that I did not want to do. I did not want to do them. And um, I was once told that the pain is in the resistance. And when, you know, kind of when, the rubber hits the road and you're up against a wall and there are no other choices except to go back to where you came from. And I did not want to do that. You kind of do what, what you're asked to do. Um, and I got to tell you guys, every time I said, okay, I will, it got easy. You know, it just got easy. And um, I believe that's my higher power, but I also believe it's the the power of acceptance and surrender. Um, so you know, there's a whole lot more good stuff in here. Um, just to to wrap it up with these, what it was like. Then he goes on page 15 and 16, and he talks about his life after, um, you know, after uh, getting sober and how his, he and his wife worked with alcoholics and how much joy they had, the joy of living we really have, either even under pressure and difficulty, and how um, there is scarcely any form of trouble and misery which not has been overcome among us all. And that's the promise that we have in Bill's story. 
Um, and that is the promise that I have in my life. There's very, I've, you know, I, I, I'm blessed. I haven't faced a lot of trials and tribulations in my life. I might have some coming. I don't know. But I do know that as long as I am in these rooms and as long as I am walking with you and walking with my higher power and surrendering on a daily basis, that, that no matter what comes up, um, I've got the support and the power in my life to deal with it. Um, so I'm grateful for that day. And I do want to, you know, full disclosure, I do want to say that I have not, there, there are two times in my recovery since uh, December of 2020 that I've restarted my abstinence. And the most recent was April, my abstinence date. The most re recent was April of last year. No, April of, yeah, last year, 2021. So um got 100 and 300 and some days. Um, and the reason I did that was because I took my will back and I ate something that um, was not on my meal plan without discussing it with my sponsor. And then I got really angry at her. <laughs> and uh, that was a really hard, that was really hard. And I did, and it took me a while to say that I restarted my abstinence date. Um, I still very gratefully and humbly um, um talk about that day in December, because that was pivotal for me, for a woman who thought she would die binging and throwing up for a woman who could not stay abstinent for, you know, any long period of time, to be totally free of that is a miracle. And uh, miracles do happen in this program. You know, one of our members uh, does say we're, we still are live in the age of miracles. And it's true. We see them, we see it all the time in these rooms. Um, so thank you for uh, asking me to to speak and giving me the opportunity to to go through Bill's story once a hated story now a love story and um, and with that I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Nancy Z. Thank you for your share and your service. We're so glad that you were able to come and share with us tonight. All right, so we are going to move on. Two, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up? If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. All right, and we don't have any hands up. Who would like to start off the sharing tonight? Amy L. Wonderful. You're up first. Hi, everyone. I'm Amy in California. And thank you so much, Nancy. Thank you, Melissa, our Zoom host timer, and everyone new coming back. Um, grateful to be here. Grateful. Impulsive Eater, Exercise, Bulimic, and Restrictor. And um, Nancy, I 
I always appreciate when you share and um, I related so much um, also having come in in my 20s and not liking the big book or Bill's story and then coming back in my 30s and my 40s and my 50s and now my 60s and and it just each time I came back I got so much more out of it that's the truth and um, I also had sought every possible solution I mean and thinking I was brilliant and thinking that you know, and then realizing, oh my God, I, I, I found 2,001 ways to chase my tail. I mean, but, but, but did that, that didn't um, make me stop. Again, it's just incredible. And, and we see that so much in Bill's story. And no, you know, I had a lot of pain. My disease got very severe in my teens and in my twenties. And I can't tell you how many times I passed out. Um, I had, you know, laxative abuse and in my pants in a store like humiliation. I once crashed through a glass door. And these are just, again, these things, you'd think they would stop me, but they did not stop me. And that is, is you know, this disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful. And we see that so much in, in Bill's story. And, you know, as my disease changed and morphed over the years, and then I became a mom. And I remember one of my most pitiful, incomprehensible moments of demoralization was when I ate the Halloween candy and I couldn't nurse my baby. I was so sick and she cried and cried. And I, and again, I didn't stop. But so I, as I said, I came in my 20s and my 30s and back in my 40s when I had my kids and something did change in my 40s. And I, I, I have never thought I had an epi. And then as Nancy, you were speaking, I realized, oh my God, I had someone who came in the rooms the same time as me. We got absent at the same time, but I went out and she stayed. And I saw her around town. I used to see her and I was too ashamed because um, at that point my disease, I gained a lot of weight. And, and I saw this light in her. And I, uh, at some part of my brain thought, okay, a way is always there for me. Gentlemen. And then I remembered her saying, was that time someone or? Yeah, you can wrap up though. Oh, just that she's also, this woman had said, it's a we program. We are, because we are not meant to face this disease alone. And I remember after a bad relapse, picking up the phone and I didn't even know her, but I remembered her. It had been years. And I said, I remember your words and thank you so much. And anyway, I'll just leave it at that. So thank you all. And thank you, Nancy. Thank you so much, Amy L. Next up, we've got Victoria W. Go ahead. Hey, everyone. Uh, Victoria W. Recover Compulsive Overeater and Insulin Manipulator in Florida. This is, you know, I'll just I'll just share. So I'm one. I'm doing some of the service as speaker getter uh, this time around with with Heidi, which is amazing. It's 
Um, it's really helping me expand my outreach, which I'm grateful for. But it's so funny because I was like, oh, I haven't been able to come to that many meetings lately. So I'll volunteer for this service position because it's a way to help, even though you don't have to like actually be at the meetings. <laughs> and this week, I'm just like, I want to go. I'm like, I want to go three nights in a row, which is not something I'm usually able to do. And I just feel like my higher power has opened up a door to make that possible, which is really beautiful. Where I'm the type of person I'm like, oh, I got stuff going on. Like I'll catch the recording. And, and it's just really amazing that I've been put here tonight. I feel like a very beautiful, intimate presence uh, with this group regularly, but especially tonight. Um, and thank you to our speaker for really making clear, like, yeah, I remember the first time I read Bill's story, I was like, I mean, well, not the first time I read the story, but the first like three pages, I was like, we get it. You think you're cool, like enough, you know? Um, and I thought, how can I relate to this? And what's really, I don't like saying it, but it's really true. It's like, guess what? Every time I have some type of disturbance, it's because I think I am really cool and other people don't see how cool I am or people don't want to do things my way or you know, somebody has the audacity to think their idea might be right. They're not even saying my idea is wrong, but if they have the audacity to think that their idea is right and it's not in line with mine, game over, you know? And I didn't even realize how much I went through life fighting every single thing because I was using the food as my security blanket. Um, and, and at some point it became not optional. It became the food was using me as a, like, it was really just, you know, nuts. And thank you for, thank you for detailing. I've never heard somebody say that before of like, let's count the number of times in this story where he talks about, oh, he tried to stop this time. And this time, like I recounted those in my head you know, and saying, oh, yeah, look, he's trying to do it again. Oh, he's trying to do it again. And I related to that. But I, I never really thought about, you know, how many times in this in these few pages is that happening? Um, yeah. And just also thinking about what really, what really got me was in this story, something I love when they're talking about, you know, your own conception of God. Bill starts talking about how he's noticed things in the world that maybe signify some type of magic or, you know, oh, I saw a beautiful sunset or I, you know, mm -hmm. I'm going to wrap up with this. Perfect. Thank you. I was like, it must be coming soon. But <laughs> um, where, you know, he's like, oh, I saw some magic. I saw this. I saw that, you know, but it was fleeting and soon lost. But he was very opposed to a personal idea of God. And I thought that meant like my personal, my individual conception. That's not what that means. What it means in that context is the idea that God takes on this uh, form of a human, that we're looking up in the sky with a man with a gray beard. And that was something I never realized that I had a lot of issues with. So I am grateful that I persevered to Bill's story onto page 12. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Victoria W. Thanks for your service. All right, Leslie K, you're up next. So lots of time. Thank you. Thank you for your service, Melissa. And Nancy, thank you for um, just 
being such a stalwart member of this group, I I really appreciate you and the way that you, um, the lens that you look through in this um, in this journey. You know, it's just so cool, and so many people in this room, in particular, um, have such an interesting lens, and it keeps me coming back. Um, I. You know, I, I had an outside job, which I hesitate to talk too much about because of the traditions, but um, I'm retired now, so there's no way I can benefit from telling you what it was. Um, but I bucked a system in, in my work for 17 years. And I, I really, I fought with probation and parole. I fought with mental health people I fought with psychologists and and um, and I fought with Department of Human Services and I was combative because I really believed that I was seeing something on the ground that they weren't seeing and what I'm coming to uh, what I'm trying to explain is the way that you talked about Bill's story tonight made me more aware that he was walking a very fine line in the 30s of trying to um you know explain why he felt he had a vision that was worth sharing and how he was going to not turn off the religious people and not turn off the atheists and not turn off a single member who needed this program. And so he had to walk this very fine line. And after coming through the gauntlet that I experienced in my work, um, I just appreciate him even more uh, for his willingness to um, walk that line. And, and when I feel like the religiosity is just too much for me to handle, I try to remind myself this was written in the 30s. You know, I was born in 1950. I remember how oppressive our society was in the 50s, let alone in the 30s. So I just have nothing but admiration for this for this guy. I feel like he was channeling something. Um, that we I benefit from today. And the way you laid it out, Nancy, really reminded me um, of the power of uh, the line that he had to walk to give us this program today. The final thing I'd like to share is, okay, is the story of your bulimia. Um, I, I so appreciate you laying that out the way you did. When I got to these rooms, we weren't really able to talk about bulimia uh, because it was considered an outside issue in an Overeaters Anonymous meeting. Um, and, and my disease went unchecked because I really didn't understand uh, that there was support for me out there. Um, I couldn't talk about it in Alcoholics Anonymous. I didn't talk about it in Overeaters Anonymous. I didn't talk about it in my other 12-step programs. So 
that we have the freedom to do that today is uh, because of the courage of people like you. So thank you so much for your for your lead tonight. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Leslie. We will now stop the recording.